0: are we rolling all the numbers going they are okay welcome back to another episode of documented we are so excited for you guys to be here to hear this testimony today we have one of my great friends gloria smith she is such a joy to be around every time i see her she just brightens my day and she has a crazy story you would never know all of the things that took place to get her to where she is today. And so I'm not going to take any more time. Gloria, tell
1: us about your life. First, I just want to thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to share my testimony. It gives God praise. there's anyone there that it may relate to, praise God. Their hearts will be touched and they can give their life to Christ or be encouraged. My father was in World War II and he was in the Philippines. Then they transferred him to Alaska and he did communications. He left the army, came to San Diego, and he decided that he would start working at the phone company. At that time, there was two uh, subsidiaries under the AT&T company, and that was Western Electric and Pacific Bell. He was not married. My dad was engaged. Um, my mother lived across the street. And my mother went across the street, flirt with them, and they went out, and here I am. <sighs> because it was not, I was not planned. My father's father lived in Tijuana, and he had already adopted my aunt's son, and so my dad wouldn't have to marry my mother and marry his fiance, Carol. He asked my mother, would you give her up for adoption? And my mother said no. Now, all my life, I had heard your tata wanted to adopt you, but I wouldn't let, let them. And I thought I was a special child because oh. I didn't know that I was illegitimate. And they got married. I have pictures of my mother being pregnant on her wedding day. We've seen these pictures many, many years. Never correlated that I was illegitimate. Because she wouldn't sweep you under the carpet. He married
2: her after all and broke up the engagement. This is in the 50s. So this is not
1: common. Not common. They got married. My parents had five children. I'm the oldest. There's four girls and a boy. And we moved into a neighborhood that had 30 kids. We had a great childhood. We played football. There was 30 kids and a cul-de-sac. We had a great childhood, but in the home, My dad was very angry and my mother became a recluse to us because of being rejected, because she was not a wanted wife and she had no value for my father. My dad browbeat her and was very condescending. All of us children treated her the same way as my dad. No respect, there was yelling and screaming in the house. Just a lot of anger based off my dad's anger which is interesting and twisted. is because of my dad's shame and guilt. He treated me as the golden child. He spoiled mm. me rotten, but he rejected the rest of the siblings. So they're angry. And what that shaped me to be is selfish. The whole world evolved around me. I was prideful. I was disrespectful. I did not respect authority because my dad spoiled me so rotten. I didn't have to ask relief or beg for things, just ask. He gave it to me when my siblings didn't have the same upbringing. How was your mom's attitude towards you? She would just throw out little tidbits, like, I didn't want to give you up for adoption. She spoke very rarely. She was very timid. She never raised her voice when my dad would speak down to her or You know, one of the things that really hit me that I understood her place in the family is, you don't want a mom, you want a maid. I just noted it. I just went on. She said that to you? Yes, and sometimes because of my dad's disposition towards my mom, it did create in all of us kids a hard heart. My dad, he didn't use obscene language. We didn't watch R-rated movies. We went to bed at 8 o'clock. We had dinner every night. To us, that was normal. To us, it was still stable. Our life was actually the neighborhood. So moving forward, around the corner was my girlfriend, Sinead. We all grew up together. We all went to school from elementary into high school, college, and I still have relationships there on Sun Street. And Shanae lived on Quimoy, and I've known her since fifth grade. In eighth grade, she gave her life to Christ. And I was a Catholic girl. Our whole street was Catholic. We went to catechism together from kindergarten to 12th grade. (laughs) <laughs> the torpies that had nine kids, we all jumped in his, their van, and we went to catechism every Tuesday. Now you have to realize, during this time, is the Jesus movement. And so Shanae was the first person that, a window into the Jesus movement. One time, Shanae is witnessing to probably eight girls that went to a Southern Baptist church, and she's witnessing to them with no fear, saying, yeah, but you dress up, but on the weekends, you you act like you're living in hell, or you drink and everything. And these girls came after her, yelling and screaming. And the loyal friend that I was, I stood right there with her. She witnessed, she was my best friend. I'm a loyal friend. So she witnessed, I stood right there and they all thought I was a Christian, (laughs) but I was embarrassed. I was just embarrassed. I was a good friend though. What would you say to her when
2: she talked to you about it? Do
1: you remember the first conversation? Yes. Actually, she was very anointed and what that means is that the power of God would drop every time she spoke about Jesus. And we were in her bedroom and she said, I gave my life to Christ. I am born again. I was like, born again. What does that mean? Well, I repented of my sins, and Jesus came in, and I'm changed. And I'm going, you changed? What do you mean changed? To me, she's a good girl, 14 years old. She, didn't, she wasn't involved in anything. No drinking, no drugs, no smoking cigarettes. She's an exemplary student. We did really well in school. What do you mean change? She goes, I just feel like I'm going crazy because of my parents. When I gave my life to Jesus, I had peace. And every time she would share that, or she would share that the Holy Spirit spoke to her, I was very jealous. I would even ask her to speak in tongues for me, and she would. She would share with me what the Holy Ghost would tell her. She would tell me about how she got healed because of pain. She would tell me about people that she would share the love of Christ and they rejected them. And she would tell me stories about a young man that rejected the gospel, would come back, would reject the gospel and come back. And then he would be so broken because the Holy Ghost wouldn't pull on him no longer. And those stories stood out. And another thing that she would do is she learned to play the guitar so that she could worship Jesus. So she would play the guitar and sing to me, and the presence of God would just drop. I would have to lay down on the bed because it was so heavy, so peaceful. So that was a good foundation for me to know what a Christian is. To me, a Christian was a person that was fearless that told about Jesus in any capacity, no matter who they were. The one thing she never did is ask me, would you like to become a born-again Christian? Never. So our catechism class, because it was during the Jesus movement, everyone was getting saved. People in the Catholic Church were getting saved. So the whole Holy Family Church went to go see an evangelist, a Pentecostal evangelist. And the torpies took us in their big van. It's dark. We've never seen anything like this in our lives. It's dark and all these people. And, they're, and, and the evangelist is in the middle of the room on a stage, and the light's on him. And we walk in the middle of it, and he, he's preaching about Jesus. And then in the middle of it, he says, there's somebody here that has a knife, and you want to commit suicide. And I'm just... I am like locked in, and he goes, there's someone on this side, and this young man, he, he you could tell it was not staged. He's dressed like a hippie, like one of us. He comes down, walks down the stairs, comes on the stage, and he gives his life to Christ. Then at the end, there was an altar call. I've never heard of an altar call. This whoever would like to receive Jesus come down in fact the holy ghost is pulling on you right now the holy ghost grabbed my shirt and physically tried to pull me out of my seat and i grabbed my hands to the side of my chair and i push back then the holy ghost pulls me again to go down to the altar and i push back And the Holy Ghost did it again, and he's calling, pulling, give your life to Christ tonight. Come down, and I am resisting. Then I see one of the torpies go down to the altar. They did not, the way they set it up is they did not pray down at the altar, but they take you to another room. So I'm thinking, oh, this is like crazy. I am scared. I don't know what that was about. And I see Sharon, because I'm scared, I'm going to follow Sharon wherever she goes. So I follow her into the room. There's all these people. He leads them in the center prayer. Then he calls out Sharon and gives her a word of knowledge. And I'm just watching. I follow her out to the car, to the van, and Mr. Torpy is angry. Why are we leaving 10 o'clock at night? We would be only there an hour if we were at church. Because the Catholic Church only is an hour. But we're leaving at 10 o'clock at night. And the first thing I thought, I am so glad I didn't give my life to Christ. Again, I rejected the gospel. So Shanae, one of the things that she would talk about herself is the kind of life that she wanted to live, her expectations of her future. And one of them was to be a virgin. And because I was so jealous of her, be just like her. I'm going to try to get filled with the Holy Ghost too. So I laid in bed trying to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I'd I'd see her, I said, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm lying, but I want to be like her so much. She goes, you did? I go, yeah. She goes, you did? I don't know. I, I, I just wanted to be her. She was so confident. To see her, to witness to a teacher, to pass out books on the hiding place, run, baby, run, to teachers, and they gave her respect. They didn't brush her off. And that people were, yes, they were afraid of her, but there was, she had no shame. She was just on fire. She would pray with people. There's people still today that are still saved, and she's still saved. She did not ever ask me to give my life to Jesus. Why do you think that was? I did ask her that, and she said I didn't think about it.
0: I wonder if because you were with her and like not rejecting it, going with her on outreach and just being with her, that she kind of thought,
1: not that you were saved, but like, oh, she'll get it. She's coming along for the ride. Right. She would even speak to me about how the Catholic Church was twisted, that she would give me scriptures. And I said, that's not in there. It's not in there. It's too big of a book to, to read that whole thing and know everything that's in, in that Bible. So I didn't believe her, but I, I finally looked it up later, and she was right. So at this, but at this time, how old are you about this time? I'm 14. 14, okay. I get a boyfriend, and I was with him for five years. And for three years, I did not lose my virginity. That's how much I wanted to be like her. I, I really respected her. I'm having my own insecurities at home. I'm living two lives, one life at home and one of my, uh, at my neighborhood. The hidden part is my home. That's what brings the insecurity is your home. So, so Sine was like my hero, even though I would reject it. But, but like I said, God is faithful. So <laughs> I am with Mark, his name is Mark McLaren. And his best friend Stanley Stock, his whole family of nine kids had given their life to Christ out of the Catholic Church. The stocks invited us to a Billy Graham crusade. So we went there was 10,000 people it was at the uh, football stadium in San Diego and ultra call came and Mark went down and I stood there. I was going to follow him and the Holy Ghost came down he's He says, go down the altar. I said, no, go down to the altar. I said, no. He goes, why won't you go down to the altar? I said, you embarrass me. And then I felt the Holy Ghost leave. And then out of rebellion, I'm going down to the altar now. I said the sinner's prayer, but I didn't get saved. Because you only can get saved when the Holy Spirit draws on you. And when the Holy Spirit drew on me, I was not obedient. I I went down because I was rebellious and you're not gonna tell me what to do. So I didn't get saved. Mark, he was sent packets of Bible studies that he totally completed and he would not touch me. I decided that we're gonna do this and when we were finished, the shame came so. Mark didn't finish his, his Bible study from this point on to this day. He had a Calvinist attitude.
2: So it was after he had gotten saved that you decided to do the deed. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the reason now he wanted to sleep with him was because you wanted to show that it wasn't real or it was like your way of spiting the Holy Spirit?
1: Very good question. When you reject the gospel, you open the door to Satan. There's a grace there. What I mean by grace is there's a hedge of protection over people, preparing them for salvation. I was a pure of heart. I was a good girl. Even though at 18 I lost my virginity, it changed my personality. That's when the pride came in. It was like it changed it was a false confidence because you're doing something that is supposed to be very adult. So you're an adult. You're doing adult things. This is what mama and daddies do. So there's like a false pride. I have this under my belt. And all the girls in, in middle school that were very um, promiscuous, they stood out. We're talking a generation and hardly anyone did that, but the promiscuous, uh, the promiscuous ones—you could point out, you knew who they were because it affected your personality. You know, things were different. People didn't get divorced. People had whole families. We lived in a small—they um, called it a civilian housing because we lived behind naval homes. To live in these homes, you were officers or captains, and there was no divorce mm. in all those homes, hundreds of homes, there was no broken homes. And if you came for a, a, a broken home, you were almost like shunned. There's an embarrassment, a shame that came with the children. So to me, even though I had a home that was very angry, my parents are married. I live in a neighborhood with whole families. There was dignity just in that. And then I heard the gospel again I went to... It wasn't as powerful, but it was at a Baptist church. I was with Mark, and someone approached me, and I said no. And that's when I opened the door to witchcraft. And it started off with... ESP. ESP was to read other people's minds. We're going to a Bible study, the Stocks House, and he does Bible study on witchcraft on ESP. I knew it was the Holy Ghost, but already I'm hardening my heart. It is natural after you reject the gospel. You have no, when when the Bible says you become a slave to sin, it's true. My heart became harder. Even though in the world's eyes today, it's like, I'm a simple, innocent girl. Nothing's happened to you. You haven't been violated, you know. But to me as a person, a, a, a young girl that was trying to stay pure, that wanted to do right, I noticed the difference, and it took me somewhere. My heart is revealed that I am embarrassed of Jesus. I can't tell you that back then, but really, I knew who Jesus was. He spoke to me. Not only that, the same year, because the Jesus movement was moving so powerfully and God was using Shanae, I had a dream that I was at school. It's an old 1945 building. It's two uh, brick buildings with two overpasses. And I would say that they're two-story buildings with 13-foot ceilings. And I'm ready to walk over... Uh, a overpass, and I see a huge angel. The angel is probably, probably about 50 feet high. And it is floating through the corridor between the two buildings. And I see this build of uh, this, this angel, and I am feeling the presence of God, and I'm in awe. And then I slowly fall down to the ground. and I can't get up, and I want to see the angel. And I'm even saying, I want to see the angel, and I can't get up. This angel, and I just knew in my spirit, is because the Holy Ghost was moving, and it was about Jesus. It was I knew that Shanae was part of that, that I had this dream because of Shanae telling me about Jesus. So I wake up. The first thing I tell is Shanae about what I saw, and every time I would share that, the presence of God would drop on me, and I would start crying uncontrollably. This presence of God would just hit me. It was like from my heart, but my hard heart. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it the significance that it needed. Just like at the evangelist, the Holy Ghost pulling on my shirt to pull me out of my seat. I didn't give it significance. That the Holy Ghost would say, go to the altar, and I'm talking to the Holy Ghost and saying no, and then telling him I'm embarrassed, held no significance. My hardness of heart, and this is just out of simple living the wholesome society and i'm feeling the effects of sin in my home simple we are desensitized
0: well how did you get into the esp if you you're surrounded by all these good friends and even though you're Mm -hmm. not saved it seems like you're still kind of with your friends going, even with your boyfriend going to these churches, where does the witchcraft come in? Who does it come from?
1: It's four generations. My grandmother's from England. My great-grandmother created astrological charts. She did tea leaf readings. And during that time, in that era, spiritualism was very high Mm -hmm. in England. Okay. And so my grandmother did astrology. There did yoga. She was very superstitious. We found the astrological uh, astrology books growing up, packed away. And so it's a family uh, curse. So it's very natural. And then being being illegitimate, mm-hmm. I was the only one out of the whole family that dived into it. ESP wow. was the only. It, that was just the beginning. And that was that was to give me power that I would think that I would know what you think. I'm young, yeah. And it's because you, I felt my my life, what I want it to be, and what it actually was. Like I said, Mm -hmm. it's just my family home. But it was I wanted my expectations was to be like Shanae, Mm -hmm. and so that fell short. And I wanted to control my life and I couldn't do it. So it was kind of, it's pride and I wanted power. So when I, so when I left Mark and I started working for Western Electric, I was working next to this man and his wife was into many forms of new age. And she invited me, which opened the door to Kundalini yoga, psychic healing, Rosicrucians, cranial reading, aura reading. That's where the stories get large. That's where it opened the doors to demons.
0: When you're with this woman and you're getting deeper and deeper into these witchcraft and this stuff, is the draw power? Is that just to have that power?
1: Or What was that main draw to get you into it? Okay, I lose my... Virginity at 18, I failed. I don't see hope for me for, to be like Shanae at all.
2: So you keep referencing that. So there was something that Shanae had that you wanted, but it wasn't in your mind, Jesus, but it was the outflow of what Jesus did for her. The confidence, the control
1: she was focused she was she had a purpose she had purpose Mm -hmm. and i saw the power of jesus go through her life wow
2: well so you basically were searching
1: and found a counterfeit i found a perfect counterfeit because i can sin and i felt i had supernatural power
2: do you mind telling us a little bit about when it enticed you so, so you get invited to this thing. Do you remember what that was like? Like, do you remember the moment that you're like, yes?
1: First, she um ind- introduced me to Rosicrucians, which is like a a secret society, and it dealt with ESP, and it was dealing with being connected to a entity or a spirit guide that if I can acknowledge what it was saying to me, I would be initiated. That was kind of vague because that wasn't the source that moved me into demonic realm. What moved me into the demonic realm is when she brought me to the Berkeley Psychic Institute. They were classes and we paid for these classes. So to be a psychic healer, you have to ask these entities to come in to control you wow. so that you can heal people. And so they have names. And so we're taught this and not what really like like I said I'm inside, I think I'm a good girl. I have good intentions so I didn't see the power in me I saw it in, I saw supernatural power in other men that affected me that changed I, it brought in fear one was a chiropractor and he was into the martial arts he was a high degree martial arts instructor he was a chiropractor he had me come in and to show his power everything is about power what i can do and another thing that's linked with it is fear intimidation i want to show you how much powerful than i than than you i'm going to show you i could do more i can manipulate you more everything was fear and that's what i felt but at this time i'm i'm sucked in I can't pull myself out. Not that I wanted to. I'm not making decisions. It's just taking me away. So this this chiropractor says, lay down. I want you to hold this mirror. And he says, I'm going to put my hand here on the top between your two temples. And then I'm going to hold on to your chin. And then he proceeded to move my cranial back and forth like this, which is physically impossible, to move my chin opposite of where my skull was going, back and forth, because he was showing me his power. Then he stopped and he says, I want you to raise your right arm. So I raise my right arm, I put it down, and then, then he touches my elbow and my hand. He goes, lift it up. I couldn't budge, I couldn't lift it up. He goes, Lift your right leg. I lifted my right leg. He goes, he, he he touches my right hip, my knee, and my foot. He goes, lift up your leg. I couldn't lift it. Hmm. I couldn't even budge it. And then he's speaking words into my ears. And I'm feeling my spirit being pulled. I can't even control it. Whatever he said, he stopped. And I, it was like I was released from him, from his words. He would boast about the things that he could do, like cut a ham perfectly in one quarter inches and then feel the demon spirit swirling around because he, his power, and we're like all intimidated. By what he's saying, to mm. have your aura read, sit down. The person that's give, um, telling your aura, again, the spirit of fear taking you because she's telling you your life story, but she mm. she's speaking words, words into your, your life where you feel like it is a given. It is what it is. What she says is what it's going to happen. So by this time I'm feeling this is a few years. I think it was just classes. Me Be- tried to show my So
2: let, let me let me get some clarity on this. So you're you were 18
1: mm-hmm. when the big shift happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Now are you still living
1: at home? No, I moved out. Ooh, I moved out when I was 20.
0: You're just surrounding yourself with this new group of people it seems mm-hmm. outside of your cul-de-sac. Yes.
1: What was
2: Shanae up to during this time? Did she know this was happening with you? Did you remain friends with her? She would call me every so often. So you're moved out during this time when you started going into the witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And you're intimidated by some of
0: the power, but you're also hoping to gain power? Yes. You've told us these stories of how... These are the things being done to you, like these people showing you. Let me show you my power. Were you ever on the other side, you showing someone else? Let me show I you. Tried.
1: <laughs> I tried. How did didn't that get go? The same response. <laughs> I, I just knew I had demons because they would speak to me, but I would try to connect. I would try to have what they. Again, it's all about with Shanae. I wanted to be like her. Mm-hmm. These people that have power, I wanted to be like them. There was actually
2: times when you're inviting this spirit guide, a.k.a. a yeah. demon, yes, into your life to help you, give you power? Or, yes. Okay. Power. Okay.
1: To power to heal, mm-hmm. power to speak into people's lives. All it's, counterfeit. Yes. It's insane. It's like to a T is a counterfeit
2: of the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Of God. Well, I'm feeling something su- supernatural and I can sin. Mm. I can have many relationships. I can I can now do drugs, but drugs was not an issue for me. It was rec- recreational. Drinking was not an issue with me. It was recreational. That's what you did when you hung out, but that's it was not a vice for me. My and that might have power. been a little bit of your pride coming
2: in. Oh yeah, like I have a good background. I'm not going to be you a are, drug addict. Or... Right.
1: To, to move into this realm also opened a door in my life, and that was, I become a punker. And in this, I'm surrounding with people that, pornography, people that are skinheads, people that hate Jews, people with money that are filthy. This one scenario where I partied with the Kinks, my girlfriend was my roommate, And she was going out with um, the uh, keyboard player of the Kinks, and we were with them for five days. And I don't know if you know who the Kinks are. I don't. Do you? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-oh. They play with the Rolling Stones, and they sang that song, Lo, 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 la. Oh, I do know that song. Yeah. So they were big in the 70s. And at this time, it's in the 80s now, and she, so we go up to LA, she's staying with him. Uh, we're staying at the Hyatt in Hollywood and they're in their forties now. And I'm, you know, like I said, this is a culture now. I'm in a different culture, uh, subculture, and the punk. This is the last probably year and a half before I give my life to Christ. So to me now... Everything is underground. I cannot now, I did not like the day. I lived for the night. And so we're partying every night. We're going to their concerts in Santa Barbara. I didn't go to the one in LA. Um, I went to a Hollywood party in Malibu that the owner was in a cult. He had uh, prostitutes, he had a pimp there to recruit, try to recruit me. And so the tipping point for me was we're on the roof pool at the Hyatt, we're laying out and a fan of the Kinks comes to to the rooftop because she's a fan for years and she's obese. She's like 300 pounds. Now, I've seen them come to the Hyatt, and they come in a limousine, and there's no fans. And so I'm I'm becoming dischan- enchanted. <laughs> and and then there, there's funny. just no fan base where no one knows who they are, and they have a fan that's 300 pounds, and they...
2: They're glomming on to her, her because yes. she's into them.
1: And I'm just, like, watching this, and I'm going... Okay, we're going together. We're going to buy skates and things for their kids. They're in their 40s and they're picking up on girls. And I have a revelation. You become successful and then you come down. You go up and you come down. Then there's the 1.1% like share Rolling Stones that make it. But the, And then they're in their 70s. They don't have a life. So I see this and I have a nervous breakdown. Whoa, I have a nervous breakdown because I saw my life in in seconds. I'm partying, I'm with these people and it's taking me away, I can't control my life. And I see the beginning of someone that's doing well and 40 year old men that don't have a life. What does the world look for is success. I saw it. I'm 22 now. I called my girlfriend. and I said, I'm going home. I'm in the manager's room. He's trying to console me. He, he buys me breakfast. What can I do? I can't stop. I don't even know why I'm really, I'm crying.
2: Were you articulating the revelation you just had?
1: Uh, yes.
2: To the manager of the no. kinks. Okay. In my mind. Just in we- your mind. Okay.
1: So it's the first revelation That and my life is no different from theirs. Mine is going down because I felt old. I felt out of control. My power is not working. To me, really, I have demons, but there's no power flowing. (laughs) <laughs> I got the baby demons. <laughs> I got the baby demons. <laughs> and they even said circle I was around, they they even said that I was weak. They were powerful. That made me insecure. Having a nervous <laughs> breakdown. And I call up Lisa, I said, I'm going home. And she goes, How am I gonna get home? I don't know. He paid a cab to send her home from LA to San Diego. So I get home. I I am messed up. This t- at this time, my personality is broken down. I can't even speak. I'm feeling schizophrenic, bipolar. And people would ask me, "Is it because of drugs?" I go, "No." Did they have those labels back then? Or you? No. I just recognized. That's interesting. Yeah, that I I was very erratic. I'm hearing voices, smelling things, the bipolar. I have never met someone that was bipolar before. But I would be on an emotional high, feeling good, talking, and then I would just drop in full depression. Then something, I was always going for the feelings. I have to feel good to bring me back up. I didn't use drugs to bring me back up. I just wanted feelings, a good experience, a good laugh a good conversation to make me feel good so i am in control of my emotions but if i got there within minutes i would drop and go into depression and i would just clam up that was a horrible way of existence i'm really out of control like i said i'm not surrounded with people that are in witchcraft they're in very, I am seeing things. I saw things that I haven't even seen in this generation. Obscene things in the 80s I, I, I haven't yet to see. I can't even say it or explain or describe what I saw. I would say my story is I observed. I saw way too much. I saw things and people say things I saw a group of people in sin that was gross, that was obscene. And yes, God did protect me. There was things that could have happened that would have took me to another level. Many levels. So I get hired with Western Electric and the very company my dad got hired on. Western Electric is what brought me to Prescott. So I'm working for Western Electric, and they temporarily transferred me to northern Arizona. I was out here for three months. And birds of a feather flocked together. I landed in Flagstaff. And who do I friends with? A bunch of witches. What's what would you call yourself? It was just new
0: age. Oh, uh, and then you came here to Arizona, and they were
1: more <laughs> outward about it? Just like, oh, yeah. I'm a witch. I'm a witch. Yeah. I work in northern Arizona. I come to Prescott. I run into witches. They say they're witches. They boast about how well, even how well they play their instrument. She was a violin. How does that happen? Well, if you have demons, they find each other and they... So, I mean, but like, are you at
2: the store and you end up talking to someone who's yeah, a witch? Or it, it, you,
1: it did you seek out... Coffee. It was No, I didn't seek them out. Coffee shop. Small talk.
2: And they just were like...
1: Yeah, I want you to meet so-and-so. You know, it's all about feelings. It's all being impressed on. It's all about... Feelings is a big thing. That's why, as Christians, we don't live by feelings. And And your feelings can be manipulated. Yes. Yes. And so she would show me how her power worked, Manipulating people by, you share, you boast about what you can do. Just like the chiropractor. He's going to show me. You always boast. A witch that that has a lot of power just wants to keep it a secret. But one that's pretty much a novice or one that's trying to impress will impress, will boast. It's about pride. It's lifting, you're exalting yourself. I wanted to do that. I just couldn't. A really good... Connection with someone is done without words. That connection is feelings, looking in someone's eye, feeling your aura. So so now you're, are you hanging out with these people now? Or? Yes. Okay. Uh, what scared me, <laughs> <laughs> they were friends in Flagstaff. We met. She's sharing, which is normal, her powers. You're not asking them. That is natural for them to elevate themselves. So I'm going to go to San Diego, and I drive to Las Vegas. While I'm Las Vegas waiting for my plane, I go to Circus Circus, and they're there. So they're there, mm-hmm. and my eyes got big. And they're not surprised to they're see They're not you. surprised. Ooh. They were showing me what they mm-hmm. can do. She's so- reading my, not reading my mind, it's demons telling her, you do This, wow, this will manifest your power. That seems like a coincidence, but Mm -hmm. to me, it was not.
0: It's a statement she's showing you. I i know where you are, I know how to get to you. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Said very well, and it freaked you out. It freaked me out. It did what it was supposed to do, huh? It did. (laughs) So, I went to a priest. Because I'm losing my mind. I am paranoid. Paranoia is got in. Well, and
0: I want to just mention real quick is if you think about it, you're te- you're telling us this in a few minutes, but throughout these years, you're literally having these people constantly showing you how much stronger they are That me. And you're trying to get there, and but I'm stronger than you, but I'm stronger than you, but look what I can do, and I can do it better. So then this was probably the, just the tip of the iceberg. You show up, you're just trying to go back to San Diego, and these witches show up and show you again. So again. you could see why you'd be paranoid, why yeah. you'd be
1: full mm-hmm. of fear, you yes. know? So I go to a priest. I feel like I'm going crazy. My mind, I just need prayer. And he shared with me that if you just look at the light, that it will bring you peace. He sounded just like a new age person that was trying to teach me foundations of new age. I turned around and I started crying. I was so broken. He didn't offer me even a prayer. I would have taken a Hail Mary. I would have taken the act of contrition prayer. I would have taken the Our Father prayer, but he didn't offer me a prayer. I'm crying. And then the paranoia started really kicking in because Satan sees the Holy Ghost is pulling on me now. I'm starting to smell things. There's pressure on my mind. I could feel demonic power on me. I could feel people say things in my mind and then say it at work. It was It was just demonic. (laughs) I couldn't handle it. I was done. I am so paranoid. I see crows on the highway and I think they're following me. It was just, I'm out of control. I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. So I decide to, it's Memorial Day weekend. I decide I'm going to go to San Diego. I need a break. So I'm going to go home and go to the clubs, which I did with my friend, Vicky, lived in my neighborhood. The next day, I'm driving back to Prescott, and I would say I'm coming up nail Hill, and the Holy Ghost comes into the car and goes back all the way to my younger years and shows me how I treat my mom. No respect. I can't control my anger towards her. I talk just like my father to her. That I know in my heart that she loves me and that she's tried to reach out to me, that she's on my side, that she knows the truth, but I don't know it. And I started crying. And I'm crying and crying. And from the pit of my stomach, I throw up the words, I repent. I didn't even know the word repent meant, but I just started crying and crying and just the remorse of how I treated my mother and how I loved her. But God knew the issue. He went back to the core of Gloria Galvin with my mother. And then the Holy Ghost was so powerful. It's the same spirit I would feel anywhere where the gospel was told the clear, perfect gospel that Jesus loves me, he wants to forgive me of my sins, that he wants to have a relationship with me, that I could talk to him, he could talk to me, that I could speak in tongues. It was that same spirit. And then I said, because I felt such peace, the turmoil, the torment was gone. I was driving and I pointed out to the sky, I said, whatever entity... Is out there I don't know if it's God whatever is out there I will give my life 100% but I don't know what I whatever I hit I don't know what I'm hitting what who's hearing me but I will give my life 100% then the Holy Ghost heavily I can feel just God moving and then then he started speaking to me that same spirit that spoke to me when I was younger. But I heard. He said, you're going to Prescott. You're gonna spend the night and you're gonna meet a poly." And, and that was it. Everything became brighter and I started glorifying God. God, you created this, this earth that you created the trees. Everything is so beautiful, so bright. The colors were brighter. I was just so happy. I stopped at Aguila at the gas station. I got out of the car. The sin had left. It was so heavy that when I walked and it was gone, I felt like I was walking three feet off of the ground. I couldn't touch, I couldn't feel the ground. I had to look on the ground. It was like I am touching the ground, but I felt so light. I felt like I was floating. So I get back in my car. I just started praising God and telling God how wonderful he is. And the only reason why I knew to do that, because Sinead would share with me how she would praise God and tell how beautiful he was, and sing, and she would sing to me those songs that were from her heart about Jesus. So I knew how what to do. So I'm driving. I'm ready to come into Prescott. I'm hungry, but that hunger was not a physical hunger. It was a spiritual hunger because I was empty. So I come into Prescott, and I park right in front of uh, Bucky O'Neill, and we have a a Monday night outreach, and it's late, and they're watching the movie. Because Sinead would share the gospel all the time, we had a sleepover at my house. We had the Torpies over, Sinead and my family. Instead of telling ghost stories, she would tell about rapture stories, about asteroids coming out of the sky that there would be fire, that there would be um, all these horrible things that you had no place to hide and that they would kill you if, was a, uh, if you were a Christian and that you had no place to hide unless you had the mark, and they would cut off your heads. And we're crying. So Shanae would always talk about the rapture because that was the theme of the movie. It was Years of the Beast. I was locked in in to the movie. Years of the Beast is the story of people that were left behind after the rapture, where people were cursing God because of the judgment of God. This is where the judgment of God comes. God promises that that we could have eternal life with Him, that He desires that none shall perish but have everlasting life. And that I knew from what Shanae told me that every single person in this world will hear the gospel until the last person that receives Christ or rejected Christ, Jesus would come in the clouds and take Christians off of the earth in a twinkling of an eye, and then his judgment comes. The rapture was... The only thing when she shared with me that stuck with me, that brought fear. So at the movie, it's Years of the Beast. These people have been left behind. And I am cued into this movie. Then the Holy Ghost comes down. The presence of God drops over me. And he gives me a vision. I'm dressed all in black. I'm wearing a beret. And I'm smoking a cigarette. And behind me is this young man sharing the gospel, sharing about how Jesus wants to save him. He's dealing with this person. But when you look at me in this vision, I am unaffected by what's happening behind me. But inside, turn around, Gloria. Turn around and talk to him about Jesus. But I couldn't move. It's because Jesus doesn't strive with men always. The story that Shanae told me, that God wasn't dealing with that young man anymore, came to remembrance. I couldn't get saved unless he drew on me. And in this vision, he wasn't drawing on me. I had no power to turn around. Then I had another vision. The next vision was... I'm in a yellow, uh, light yellow dress. I'm coming out of church. I have a hat on. I have two babies. Behind me, the home is a mansion. And Satan says, I will give you this money, family. And out of my arrogance, out of my pride, out of my just ignorance, I say to Jesus, what are you going to give me? He didn't say a word. What did he give to us? He gave his son, Jesus. He doesn't have to give me anything else. I didn't know that at the time. It was just silent. Then I popped right back into the movie, and I thought, this is the last night. And then the Holy Ghost says, remember you told me you would give your life to me 100%. I go, this is it. If I miss this opportunity, when the rapture comes, I'm going to know this was the night, and I'm going to kick myself that I missed it. Okay, I'll give my life to Christ. So the movie ends. Roger Fisher was giving the altar call. He was the youth leader at that time. And he says, anyone that would love to give your life to Christ, raise your hand. I raised my hand. He says, come up front, and someone will pray with you. So I go up front, and I realize this is not a Billy Graham crusade. There's only two people up front. But I prayed. I said the sinner's prayer. I felt again the power of God lift off of me, the sin. And that night, we went to a fellowship, and we went to Polly Burke's house. That night, I spent the night with, her name was Cindy, who prayed with me, and I spent the night at her house.
0: And you had just met her.
1: I just met her. Then I spent the night, and when I was laying in bed, I'm used to feeling pressure, presence, touching, things happening to me. But I wasn't feeling I'm laying in bed. I'm laying in bed, and I lift up my arm and I started swinging things around. I go, I feel like I'm in a bubble. (laughs) Cindy's, Who did I bring up? So the next day, I went to my uh, hotel room in Winslow, and uh, who followed up on me was Jan Miller. She wasn't married then. And Federica and Jan Miller followed up on me during the weekdays, and then I would go to the Winslow church. And then uh, the time came, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to move to Prescott. And I did that. And when I moved here, I came with just things in my car. I didn't know where I was moving to. And I called up Cindy. Because sin had destroyed my personality, I was the very thing that people thought, who is this girl? I had pastors say, she's crazy. I was strange. If you heard my baptism I would be afraid too of me because. What did you say? I said, when when God tells you something, move in haste. That was it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like this because it's just, it just opens your mind. There's so much history to people, there's so much nuance to people and what their stories are, you know? Because so, knowing all this background, I'm like, I can understand why you would be like, move in haste, yeah. but everyone else is like, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Are you going to blow up the building? What's yeah. <laughs> happening? <laughs> right. So just to close it off. Yeah. Pastor Mitchell was in Australia when I got saved and he came when I was four months saved and he knew right away what I was about. And he says, can I have a counseling session with you? Sure. So we have a, we sit down, he invites me and sit down. And he starts asking questions about my involvement and things. Started asking very specific questions. And I'm not afraid. Like I, what kind of questions? My relationships. What were you involved in in um, witchcraft? He, he referred to everything in witchcraft. But then I started breaking down all the things in New Age. And then we even talked about homosexuality because I had identity problem. I didn't cross over to homosexuality. I was believing that I was androgynous, which is a woman or a male thinks that they're the opposite sex. You are a man or a woman physically, but your spirit is of the opposite sex. And so I would dress like a guy. And this was back in the 80s. In the 80s. I dressed very goth. So I had, I wore very black makeup, whitened my skin. My hair was. And you were still doing
2: this for months into salvation. You were still.
1: I knew the truth immediately. I knew too much about the gospel. That was the one thing that uh, the Holy Ghost told me the night I got saved. It's like, you know too much you know my spirit you know my word you know um, my healing power you know my presence and that's why god was saying to me this is it you're be- you're gonna you're profane so we went to the counseling session he asked me questions about my involvement how deep we talked about androgyny. We talked about homosexuality if I had crossed over the line. And then he said, okay, let's pray. So I prayed. and But there's something that happened. But the most powerful thing that happened is come and meet this man that's told me my life, like the woman in the well. Instantly, I had respect for not because he had power. That had nothing to do with it. It was the Holy Ghost. That Holy Ghost saw me and wanted to help me. Yeah. Not take or scare. Power again. He was po- The power of the Holy Ghost mm. was moving through him. And I saw the correct view of God's power through the Holy Spirit. And because of that, I trusted this man. And so he said a lot to me. One of the things he said to me, I was a new convert, is I went to him at the altar um, after the altar, and he and I said what I said, and then out of the blue, he goes, "Gloria, you have an intense spirit of pride," and he's smiling at me, and I look at him. I'm, I don't know what this means, but the essence of witchcraft and New Age is the spirit of Leviathan, which is pride. I am so thankful that he said that to me because it has been a lifelong of wrestling to be delivered of a mindset of of the pride, what drove me, that drove my ego, the way I wanted to elevate myself. There's all these different elements that it took Pastor Mitchell, to say that in my early years, for me to hear the sermons coming over the pulpit, that I can identify how the manipulation affected my life, how the fear affected my life, how self elevation affected my life, how I had falsely viewed myself at a higher level when I was just. A little girl wanting power to feel confidence and so I did find out that I was illegitimate after I was saved at 26 and I found out that it was my dad later on that my dad was the one that wanted to give me up we're feeling we're talking about years later now I'm feeling rejection Now I'm feeling that God is so good that he moved me from my my earthly father that gave me love out of shame, that God wanted to show me what true love, that Jesus could take care of me, and that he moved through Pastor Mitchell many, many times to be a father, an earthly father to me to tell me the truth, that I can be set free, that I can be whole. I pray for family, my siblings, because they don't know this story, that Jesus is our perfect father. God is Father God. We can go to him, that he loves us, he chastises us, he corrects us, but that's what a father does. I was never corrected growing up. I was never disciplined For Pastor Mitchell told me pride, that was out of love, that was out of correction, that was direction for me, that changed my life. And and for him to say that out of the blue, but he got the essence. You've
2: said a few times that you did not feel in control of your actions, Mm -hmm. like it was just taking you. Yeah. And so someone's in that place, what do you say to them?
1: Jesus sees the core of who you are. And He created you. He wants to come into your life and change you to the person He created you to be. And you don't know that person. No one's met that person. But Jesus knows that person. He wants to come into your heart and He wants to change your spirit. He wants to change the way you think. He wants to love you and he'll love you at your worst.
0: Gloria, I really think I've really felt like during this uh, session that you are going to hit, your words are going to hit the nail on the head of people's hearts. Maybe even people that don't know how to say what is going on inside And I'm really encouraged because I really think that this is going to help some people and they're going to be set free from from your story, that there's things, like I said, that are happening that they don't even know how to put the words to it. And you just did. And that is the definition of our testimony, right? So I am super encouraged by this because we know the person you are today. And that person is set free. And that person is strong in Christ. And that person is a role model. And that person... Um, has been through so much and is a a warrior in my eyes. So I am super encouraged and an honor to hear your whole story. Me too. Thank you for coming on. And now it's documented.